Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Inside Trackers, Townsend Bernard, uh, and discuss the role of blood monitoring in sport. You know, Townsend shares with us how he got to Boston and how he actually started working with Inside Tracker. And then we get into actually, guys, what Inside Tracker is looking at, where the recommendations come from, um, and, and what they're really trying to do with, with their, their platform that they provide for coaches and athletes to, to look at what's going on with them internally uh, with their blood draws. Uh, we then get into some common deficiencies he sees in athletes and finish out with, with where he sees this area of the field going. It's, it's really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. All right. Townsend, thanks for spending some time with us today, my man. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so here, let's catch everybody up to speed. Give them a little backstory and how you got involved with Inside Tracker. Yeah, so I came to Inside Tracker fresh off of my, my undergrad. So I did my undergrad at the University of Toronto in Canada in kinesiology. Um, and I was coming to Boston primarily to start uh, my master's the next year in biochemical and molecular nutrition at Tufts. And I was a university athlete. I did pole vault at the University of Toronto and went to our Canadian Olympic trials in 2012. And I always really loved the biochemical aspect of performance, kind of wondering what factors we can tinker with and especially how nutrition could influence performance from a biochemical level. Um, so I came to Boston and met with my current PhD advisor, Dr. Roger Fielding, who has the Nutrition Exercise Physiology and Sarcopenia Lab at Tufts. And he was an advisor for this company called Insight Tracker. Um, so I went and talked to them and began talking with Ronnie, the CEO, and Gil, the co-founder and the head of the science division. And I found a really good fit between what they're trying to do, kind of really intelligently use blood biomarkers as an invaluable tool to inform coaches on a lot of their training and to give a real internal biochemical look at how their athletes were adapting to their training stresses. So I started there pretty much right after Christmas. It was about a three three weeks between when I got the job and I headed up to Boston, kind of packed all my stuff in a suitcase and flew down. And I've been working with them more or less ever since, uh, uh, since I did that. So that's kind of how I got down, found inside trackers. That's freaking killer, man. And mm -hmm. obviously a, a big kind of brave step moving from Toronto out there with, with the thoughts of going into some post-grad work, jumping right in, with a company that's that's building more and more by the day. So as yep. a molecular biologist, 
let's talk more about what the tests are, what we're looking at, and, and why this is so important for our athletes and our coaches to have, have this data. Uh, yeah, so we have a, a myriad of tests, but we kind of group the tests together based on biomarkers. So we have our tests starting from our essential tests that looks essentially at a lot of basic metabolic biomarkers that you would expect that would be more influenced by lifestyle factors. So these are important for athletes, but they're more directed at kind of the general population, people who are really worried about their health. So these are things like your fasting blood glucose, total cholesterol, LDL, HDL, triglycerides, etc. cetera. Um, where it really gets interesting for athletes is when we go up to kind of high performance and ultimate testing where we're looking at a group called strength and endurance. So this is, we're looking at creatine kinase, which is kind of a blood biomarker for muscle breakdown, testosterone, free testosterone, DHEAS for females, cortisol, sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that essentially binds a number of androgens, albumin, um, some inflammation markers, and all of these essentially we use according to the needs of the coach. So we work a lot with athletes and coaches intelligently selecting times to test for them based on what their needs are. So if an athlete, if a coach has a team, let's say about 30 athletes and they're running through training camp, so a one month training camp, really intensive, they'll usually do a baseline test to see where their athletes' metabolic biomarkers are and things like creatine kinase, testosterone, cortisol. And then after that one month, really intensive training phase, they'll do another test at the end to assess muscle damage markers from creatine kinase, ALT, AST, testosterone, cortisol, um, albumin, in the sex hormone binding globulin and what they do is inside trackers not be used on itself or in isolation much like any other training metric it's really valuable when you integrate it with things like progression through a strength program increases in speed on field performance mental stressor questionnaires like rescue inside tracker provides a lot of biochemical context to the other training measures in an attempt to better individualize the training protocol for each athlete and understand how athletes adapt especially on a team where a lot of athletes are getting a similar training protocol and some athletes adapt really well to that training protocol and others don't, it provides another tool to help understand why that's happening and how you can adapt the program athlete to athlete to try and optimize their performance. No, and that's an interesting example as we're starting to wind down here um, in the school year and, you know, coaches are starting to prepare for the off season and, and getting that way. So what are, what are some ways that this could help drive, say, a basketball program going into the non-competitive season in, in the summer? So yeah, the, the summer, what we really like to focus on is off-season when athletes are primarily trying to get stronger or putting in a lot of their strength work rather than kind of looking at injury prevention during the season. This would be really valuable to look at those metrics like creatine kinase across the team, ALT and AST, which essentially are are all markers of muscle damage. So you can essentially look at how athletes are progressing through their strength program and try and understand why some athletes might not be progressing or moving up in their strength relative to other athletes. Additionally, if you have kind of a really heavy conditioning period in the offseason where you're just trying to increase anaerobic or aerobic fitness, you can look at a lot of nutrition-based factors influencing that. So things like hemoglobin concentrations, ferritin, 
uh, transparent saturation, look at a lot of nutritional factors that might be impairing athletes in a more aerobic sport, something like a soccer or a hockey or something to that nature. So you can choose kind of, it really depends on what each individual athlete's goal is through that off season. Yeah. And then, so we go in and we get our tests and then there's some really cool things that the metrics are providing with the dashboards when it comes both individually and then with the actual team. Uh, Let's talk about that. And then if you, if possible, um, and if not, I'll just cut that part out. But if possible, can we get into how these metrics and these parts recommendations are evaluated and how the, the recommendations like are actually brought to fruition? Yeah. So at an, you have two levels like you were talking about. You have an athlete level and a coach's level. So at an athlete's level, when an athlete does a test, they go fast, come in, do their blood test, and then we follow up with a number of different lifestyle, nutrition, and exercise questions, trying to get greater context for the athlete in general. So we'll ask things like, what's your average dietary patterns like? Are you taking any supplements? How would you quantify your sleep? Are you having coffee, alcohol? Do you ascribe to any specific diets like paleo, gluten-free, vegan, etc.? We also ask about training. So for athletes, and you get a much more of a depth of information when we work with a team because the coaches have a lot more information that they can provide based on the athlete's training program. But we ask athletes, how many times a week are you active? What general ranges are you training in? What type of training? Training are you doing? When are you going to sleep? So trying to get all of these pieces of information that from research we have found trigger a lot of these relationships. So between sleep and cortisol or between things like, again, red meat consumption and iron, those are really basic ones. But as we, we have a kind of multitude of questions that we use to fill out essentially a very detailed profile of each athlete. Once we have that and we have the biomarkers that the, or the results come back, Then what we do is we take those biomarkers, create optimal ranges based on the athlete's goals, if it's strength or performance or health or to reduce inflammation or to increase sleep. We set specific ranges for each one of those biomarkers and then evaluate their blood results based off of their optimized ranges based on the demographic, lifestyle, nutrition, and performance information they've given us. From that, we then take the literature, which we have a team of scientists that come from everywhere, exercise physiologists kinesiologists, uh, registered dietitians, geneticists, and we go through the literature and essentially evaluate it as you would if you're doing like a peer-reviewed study. So you evaluate a number of factors trying to look at the quality of fit and we score each um, study or each study's findings based on applicability, strength of the study, how confident we're going to work, what the magnitude of the effect of that intervention was. And then we essentially look at what biomarkers the athlete needs to prioritize or work on the most, look at all the applicable literature that suggests that we can improve that biomarker. And then based on the strength of that literature, we grade the recommendations that we believe that would be the most impactful for that individual. So based on the demographics of each individual, individuals on the same team with the same protocol can have different recommendations to tackle the same problem. Yes. Now, for people who haven't had the luxury of using this yet, to yeah. me, that's like the coolest part is the fact that like you pull up your blood work, 
and you look and, and it gives you these recommendations and it's almost like you're looking at like a Yelp page. Cause it's like each study, yeah. like one to five or like how much this specific food or this specific thing is going to be important. And then it pulls up the met, the, the actual research papers that you can look at to review on your own so that it's like, yeah, you know, you could take our word for it. Or if you want to see where we got this, this is why we're doing it. And that's that's exactly one of the main factors that drove me to the company in the first place was being a high-performance athlete back in Canada. You're ambushed with a myriad of different claims from different companies to supplements to fitness or strength gurus. And it's the level of transparency that Inside Tracker has with its science really drove me because it gets to the point where you see the recommendation, you see the sources that we're driving them from, and then you can choose. So we have kind of, you can see the logical train of thought. And you can also, we've had a lot of very smart customers come in and ask us questions about our literature. And that's great because they're asking us questions, we're explaining it, but that transparency is really, really important to make sure that individuals are selecting interventions that are based on good science. And at least you can track back the train of thought and the validity to some of these claims yeah no 100 percent. and then another thing that i think is really neat is that on top of the individual then the coach gets some information about the team in general yeah absolutely and the coach can actually look at year over year how the team is doing at different points in the season some teams might have more travel or more long away stretches that can affect certain biomarkers even if a team is doing better or worse that can affect certain biomarkers based on how hard they're performing the contact that they're having from one season to a next etc and yeah. the i think the thing that especially for coaches is really easy is that a lot of our biomarkers while or sorry a lot of our recommendations while having kind of a robust amount of literature and science behind them we try to make them as a as easy to adapt as possible so we don't want to make a recommendation that says fun fundamentally change everything about your diet because we know that athletes won't do that or fundamentally change everything about your lifestyle. Those aren't really effective. We'd rather do little steps that can make dramatic improvements in your biomarkers that make it as easy as possible to adhere to because adherence is one of the hardest things when you're talking about. There's a lot of great recommendations and a lot of great interventions, but the adherence to them is just very difficult. Doing a full 180 on your diet for a lot of athletes isn't realistic and they won't adhere to it. So we want to try and find what can give us the most bang for our buck? What can get us 80 to 90% of the way there with one to two simple changes? Yes. So now let's back it up a little bit because you, uh, you know, you're a very unique individual. There aren't a lot of high-level athletes who would be sitting there on the runway of, you know, Olympic trials and think, you know, I want to get into, I want to get into blood work and I want to get into, you know, breaking all these things down. So you said that this was kind of a, a hobby of yours as an athlete. How did you get into this? So I was taking kinesiology at the University of Toronto um, while I was being a student athlete. And I, I really enjoyed understanding. Obviously, I was kind of more or less a perfectionist, which was not the greatest thing in hindsight for my coaches. There was a lot of questioning, a lot of why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, not that? 
And my parents owned gyms where I was from back in Canada for about five years before I went to university. So I had a little bit of experience in the strength and performance and athletic training realm. And it was a lot of the claims that were coming kind of through that I always questioned. And I, I, I really wanted to know what was true and what wasn't, because especially in in my case, the supplement world, there was just so many claims that people accepted or kind of basic training beliefs that people blindly accepted that didn't really make sense when I start to go back and look at the literature. So that really started. It was kind of out of my own obsession to try and optimize my own training, which then after I was done doing my competition, I shifted to, okay, how can we create some transparency for athletes and coaches with some of these biomarkers or at least some of these factors influencing performance and make it easy for them to adapt. Yeah. So then how do you think something like this could have helped you as, as an athlete? Like looking back at it, we all have I, our, man, I wish I could have, Yeah. you know, how yeah. would have this changed the game for you when you were going through your trials and tribulations as a young I think, athlete? Yeah, I think absolutely there was, was periods of time where I was jumping around. I did pole vault, but there was times when I was doing hurdles and long jump and the just sheer volume of training got really, really high. And a lot of kind of plyometrics, doing plyometrics and strength work at the same time and just feeling run down. And areas or times when I was either plateauing or not improving in speed or in the weight room, I think something like this could have helped me there because at least I could have integrated some of these biomarkers into the rest of my training program and saying, okay, some of these influence performance and let's just make sure that none of these are holding me back. So year after year and even like cycle to cycle in my training, I could look back one, two, three years and say, okay, where was I this time last year? Where was I this time the year before? And kind of piece that together and make sure that I'm not really, really low Oh, in like a biomarker that could influence my performance. Yes. Well, and it also sounds like at the end of the day, what, what this is to me, on top of all of the, the great information and really like the simple ways that you can correct things, on top of the fact that most of the things that they're going to recommend are things that people want to eat anyway, unless I'm just really lucky, yeah. like... I got some good stuff. I was like, yeah, this, this is pretty dope. Um, but I think that like what's best about it is it's an easy way to monitor compliance with everything else that you're doing with these kids. Absolutely. It's, that is one thing, and we have a great biomarker. Vitamin D status can be a great marker of compliance just in terms of vitamin D in most cases you need to supplement to get to the optimal level. So even something like that is a great way to try and look at adherence across the team and say, look, everyone has this intervention. If five of the athletes are still deficient, you know, at the most basic level, they're not adhering to this protocol. Mm-hmm. So it's a great marker for that to look at the team and say, hey, this is if you're not going to do this, why should we expect you to do that? If you're not going to do this with a very low barrier to entry, and fairly easy to do, how can we expect you to buy into the rest of this? So for the people out here who are just listening, 
and are kind of simply just looking more for like some general background and some general things that you've seen. When you look at American athletes, for the most part, is there anything that we would say we're consistently deficient in? Yeah, the, the deficiency, and it is a incredibly hot topic right now, is vitamin D. So I don't know how much I want to say deficient. It really depends on what the metric of adequacy is and what end biomarker you're looking at to suggest vitamin D. But kind of overall, vitamin D levels in, in athletes are fairly low, even amongst athletes who are outside in the sun. We have athletes who are in California or Florida that have very low levels of vitamin D despite going outside 24-7. Female athletes in a lot of cases, and it's fairly well known, a lot of it is iron and hemoglobin and ferritin status. So with female athletes, it's a really big balance to get their ferritin status up to an adequate level because even low ferritin independent of low hemoglobin has been shown to impact performance. So if a female athlete has normal levels of hemoglobin but low ferritin, that can influence their performance. And additionally, we're learning a lot more about how iron is regulated in the body. So there's this protein called hepcidin, which can essentially be upregulated in response to exercise, which impairs iron absorption. So very active athletes who have low ferritin levels may be further impaired from restoring those ferritin levels due to the high levels of hepcidin that they have. So those are kind of the two big ones. And then I know this is more of like a strength-based audience, but endurance athletes have a problem where we see a large amount of endurance athletes who simply under-eat. They under-eat on calories. It's great to get all your vegetables and fruits and especially your dark leafy green vegetables but if you're not getting adequate calories into your system, you're not going to perform well. We have athletes who exercise more than two to three hours a day who are eating less than 2,000 calories. Those are really good calories from great sources that they're getting, but it's just simply not enough energy. Yeah, and that's always a slippery slope, especially when you know you need to start talking in, in those situations because that could always be a psychological issue on top of the, just the physical one. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's talk about this for a little bit. So let's let's look now as as a guy getting into the game now and continuing his education, where do you see this this aspect of evaluating athletes going in the future? So we're actually and it's across both academic and into performance, is we're at a period of time in which we can generate data much faster than we can interpret it and we can generate data much faster than we know what to do with it. So at this point in time, I see the, the availability of information exponentially growing. So in the next five to 10 years, you will have the ability to have more information on athletics than you ever thought possible from trackers to blood biomarkers. There's a couple of companies that are waiting their feet into the genetics market, epigenetics, the microbiome. There's a lot of different avenues that are coming to the forefront and trying to intersect with athletics. The big issue I think we're going to have in the next five to 10 years is trying to understand 
how much value all of these additional measures are. So just because you can generate data doesn't mean that that data is going to add anything additionally on top of what you already have. Yeah. So I think in the next couple of years, we're going to really see an onslaught of kind of genetics and trying to understand what genetic factors will influence performance and which one of those are meaningful. So just because you have a certain gene or you express a certain gene, what percentage of performance be that 100 meter dash, which is kind of an easy association, does that influence? Or you take something that's much more complex, something like a basketball or a baseball where there's a high skill component. What metrics can we draw from that indicate skill rather than just raw performance? And I think that's going to be a much more difficult question to answer is other than just pure speed, strength, power. When we're talking about skill, what influences that? No, and that's that's awesome. And then, so when we're looking at this too, then with coaches talking about data and talking about tracking, having this as another piece of their of their athlete profile is is really important when it comes to coaches knowing their athletes literally and figuratively inside and out. Can you? Let's let's close out here with with giving coaches a few reasons why knowing literally what's going on in the inside is just as important to looking at the other metrics that we're tracking, whether it be readiness or performance markers or whatever it may be. Yeah. So when we when I try and talk to coaches about using Inside Tracker, the biggest thing is giving context to all of the other measures that they're already taking. So if you have an athlete who isn't sleeping well, for say, or is having other issues related to their performance and you can't understand why, you need to also look at what could be influencing their performance from an inside. Because you can try and change an athlete's program, but you can train them into the ground if you're not getting at kind of a biochemical basis of what the issue is. If an athlete has low ferritin, or low hemoglobin, you can try all the running and intervals and all the conditioning you want, but that athlete's not going to be able to improve at a rate similar to an athlete who has optimal ferritin and hemoglobin levels. If you have an athlete that is chronically undersleeping or has chronically high cortisol inflammation, they may not be able to progress in their training relative to the other athletes, regardless of how much tinkering you try and do with their pro program. So it gives the coach when they're sitting down and looking at their athletes, just another really important piece to say, this is what's happening with their performance. Let's try and understand why this is happening. And on a team level, why some athletes are adapting better than others and how we can change that. How can I change an individual athlete's training? How can I change an individual athlete's nutrition very quickly and easily rather than trying to to do all of the legwork themselves. Yeah, no, and I think that that's absolutely fantastic because looking at it, I mean, we could talk about things all day and a lot of the the simpler evaluations that we're going to use in the weight room and whatever are the last things to kind of go when they get fatigued, if we may. Um, yeah. But when we can sit there and look at them and be like, listen, you know, it's, as, as has been said, your blood don't lie. This is telling us that we yeah. need to work on this, that, or the other thing. You need to sleep better. We need to talk about how you're handling stress. 
need to talk about whatever's going on yes. here and maybe add some almonds or some avocado and a couple pieces of meat to your day and things are going to be on the up and up. And I, I do. I think it's really valuable. I think it's something that is really overlooked because people might think it's a bit more invasive than it really is, but it's really just an in and out quick draw and then you're going. Um, it, it's, and it's a great that's, And that's exactly it. It's not, it's really, really quick. The interventions are simple and easy to adhere to. And from a coach's perspective, it's very little work. For a lot of athletes, you're going to go and have your physicals at the beginning of training camp. You have a quick blood draw the morning after training camp. You go and have these tests. It takes five, ten minutes for the athlete. They fill out their questionnaire, make the small changes, test the test, and then they pretty much are given in a one-page summary of everything they need to do. The coach sees that, and then the coach doesn't have to worry about it. Or if they are sitting down to talk with an athlete, it gives them the context to say, okay, let's look at everything together, and let's see how you've been doing on your interventions and make sure that you're been adhering and compliant. Yeah, no, 100%. Townsend, thank you so much, man. This is absolutely killer. The look inside what you guys are doing, and, and so people can understand what's actually going on up there in Boston with, with the company and how this is going to be so helpful to them when it comes to developing their athletes is, is fascinating to me. And I, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, bud. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, man, this will be up real soon and I uh, can't thank you enough. Brother, we'll, we'll be in touch real soon. Thank you so much for being with us. No problem. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. And a huge thanks to Inside Trackers, Townsend Bernard for sitting down and talking with us today. Guys, awesome stuff. And you know, monitoring what's going on internally uh, with the blood panels of your athletes really can, can help us drive better discussions when it comes to nutrition, stress management, uh, sleep, all the things that we already do talk with kids about. It's, it's another way to show them certain things that can help. Um, the dashboards and the, the platform that they have set up are really, really fantastic and really simple communication and, and reminders to the kids that you work with. I think it's it's all absolutely stellar stuff. So keep up the great work up there in Boston, guys. I absolutely love it. And Townsend, again, thank you for taking the time with us and uh, and being so open, honest, and candid with us today. Guys, as always, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. If you enjoyed the talk and you're not a subscriber or you don't follow, uh, follow us on YouTube or Instagram, or excuse me, on YouTube, um, Podomatic or iTunes. You know, subscribe, make sure you stay up to date, follow us on the newsletter so you can make sure you stay up to date with all the deals. And if you enjoyed the talk, guys, uh, hit that like button. We really appreciate it. And if you have any questions, comments, or anything, post it below, and, and we'll make sure that we get those answered for you as soon as humanly possible. And as always, guys, we appreciate everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. Thank you for being as involved in, you are, uh, in what we do as you are. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.